2: Master Certified Coach Christopher McCullough.
1: Thank you very much, and I am delighted, honored, and just thrilled to have as our special co-host joining us today for one day only as our co-host, Laura Berman-Fortgang. She's celebrating 25 years as a coach, truly a pioneer in the coaching profession. She's also got five best-selling books, New York Times best-selling books, now in 14 languages. And uh, the little book on meaning, my favorite of those books, which I'm holding now for the camera people, is a a finalist for the Better Books for a Better Life Award alongside little people you may never have heard of, like the Dalai Lama. She's uh, got the 10th anniversary edition of Now What? 90 Days to a New Life Direction out, which led to a TED Talk, TED Boca, uh, which now has over 400,000 views. So check her out on the TED Talk. Get the books, especially Now What? And if you are a coach or a leader and want to get the tools from the toolkit of Now What? 90 Days to a New Life Direction. She's got a uh, train the Trainer program coming up starting in October of this year. Only once a year it's available and you actually work with Laura. It's virtual, so you can be in the privacy of your own home or someone else's. And you can find out more by going to nowwhatcoaching.com or find out all about Laura and her work by going to laurabermanfortgang.com Don't go to Laura Berman. Go to laurabermanfortgang.com or nowwhatcoaching.com Hey, Laura. But... uh Next guy coming up, he's an extraordinary man. He's a neurosurgeon. And already I'm feeling like, what, if, what could I possibly say to a neurosurgeon, right? I can't relate to neurosurgeons. I'm not, you know, and he's like a big deal, right? He works at a Princeton brain and spine care center. He's also a former NCAA Division I wrestler and was inducted to the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to try and stay on his good side. Do you know anything about wrestling or neurosurgery?
0: I I have to believe he's a real guy, you know, like relatable if he can also be in the wrestling hall of fame. I mean, (laughs) that is a bit of a dichotomy there.
1: (laughs) Well, let's let's find out. We're delighted to welcome to our microphone for the first time Dr. Mark McLaughlin, a neurosurgeon who's on a mission to use the lessons he's learned in his career to help others courageously engage and wrestle with, see what I did there, stress. Dr. McLaughlin, hello.
3: Hi, Chris and Laura. How you doing? We're doing good. We're intrigued.
1: So intrigued. Oh. Where, hey, look around outside. Where are you today?
3: I am en route from Princeton, New Jersey, up to Flemington, New Jersey, to see patients. I just got out of the operating room a few minutes ago.
1: Holy bajoli, man. Thank you so much for being with us. And please, you know, Thanks don't for having me. uh don't like like make sure you pull over or something. We don't want to hear a screech and a crash. Um
3: Oh, I have somebody driving. Don't worry. Oh, I I'm, I'm, I'm careful. I
1: forgot how you roll out there in New Jersey. <laughs> All right. Let's um I I don't know where to start, but I think I I think Laura that we should start with brain surgery. So apparently there are some principles that you learn along with all the magnificence of brain surgery that you feel can be applied to just everyday life issues. Will you give us an example? Exactly.
3: I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. Will
1: you give us an example of one? What's a, what's a principle that you find in the operating room when you're focusing on someone's brain?
3: Sure, sure. Well, one of the first ones I learned from my mentor, Dr. Peter Janetta when I trained at the University of Pittsburgh, and really this was when I was a medical student, he said to me while he was doing microsurgery on the brainstem, he said, Mark, never cut what you can't see. <laughs> and that was wow. very profound for me because he said it while he was humming in a completely relaxed fashion. And I thought to myself, wow, this person's working on the brainstem right now, a millimeter uh, off or a snip one way or the left of the, to the right, and something very serious, something very bad can happen. And he was humming, and he was totally relaxed. And what I realized was that he had really automated his surgery to a series of rules. And if he followed those rules, most likely things were going to go well. And that was the first one, and I've, I've, I've expanded on that in many different ways, both in neurosurgery and coaching wrestling and, and in my life.
0: So you're saying that one of the lessons was just, you know, even in the gravest of situations, find that, find that cool, that calm. And well, I know that you, you know, through the, through the wrestling stuff, you talk to youth. So what are some of the messages that you bring young kids from the operating room?
3: So any of the stories that I have of, of, uh, uh, of neurosurgical struggles, I will Share with the wrestlers. I coach uh, uh, third through eighth graders, mm. and I will try to, you know, sort of water down the story, simplify it to to something that the kids can can understand. For instance, um, years ago, uh, early in my career, I remember coming down on a very difficult tumor at the brace uh, at the base of the skull, mm. and it was compressing a very important structure called the medulla, which is your it's sort of your I-95, it's your respiratory center, it controls a lot of bodily functions. And as I got down to that tumor, um, I realized, oh my gosh, like, everything right here matters 100%. You have to be perfect. And I got a little scared for a second. Um, and I heard this voice in my head that said, maybe, this, maybe you can't do this. And I said, wait a minute, what are you talking about? You trained your whole life to do this. You know, and they said, well, you know, maybe this is going to be too hard to get done. And I said, no, I can do this. Get around it, shrink it, remove it. Get around it, shrink it, remove it. And what I said to the kids was, this was a little mini conversation that I had in my head, little voices that sometimes at your greatest challenge will pop into your mind, and you need to wrestle with them. You need to look them square in the eye and say, no, sir, go back in your closet. I'm closing this door, and I'm not <laughs> listening to you.
0: So is this and, what um, you could expect from your upcoming book in terms of lessons? It's not so much about um, the brain, but about how you do delicate, delicate, high-stake work in a, in this state that you create.
3: What can exactly, we expect from the yeah. book
0: in terms of those lessons?
3: Well, I've always been fascinated with performance. Uh, even in high school, I had the privilege of being associated with the uh, uh, Dr. Nate Zinser, who's a, a, a brilliant uh, neuropsychologist um, who helps uh, in, in performance he works at West Point. And I was fortunate to work with uh, Dr. Zinser very early on in my career in wrestling. And then um, as I went to Pittsburgh and began surgery, I realized, you know, surgery is simply another performance-based sport, only the stakes are a lot higher. And, uh, you know, I was a student of performance and uh, working with Dr. Zinzer, I just learned so much from him about how to engage yourself and follow practices that optimize your performance. Um, And the more I learned, the more I realized that the rules that you follow in neurosurgery can come so ingrained in you that actually I follow them in my life as well, those rules like, Never cut what you can't see. What does that mean? I mean, that means always have every perspective you possibly can have on something before you make a move that's going to burn a bridge. Before you make a decision, an important decision, you need to have all perspectives. And you need to have have the field fully illuminated, um, which is another important part of neurosurgery. Sometimes just shining that light in that last little corner will show you where the problem is, making that last little turn. And those are the kinds of rules that have helped me uh, in neurosurgery, but have also helped me make decisions, you know, about parenting, uh, about my business, Princeton Brain and Spine, and uh, about my coaching. Mm.
1: You just, you're an extraordinary guy. I, I haven't talked for a few minutes because I'm, I'm picking myself up off the floor. I'm flabbergasted. You know, here's a guy who this morning was in somebody's skull making a difference and <laughs> sa- potentially saving their life. And now in between things, he's, he's joining us to talk about life's lessons and uh, core principles that he's taken on. Uh, well, thank you. Well, you're an extraordinary guy, you know, and the work that you've done, we, we've sort of referenced it. You've worked with inner city youth in trenton new jersey and you've co-founded trenton youth wrestling which is a program dedicated to serving both boys and girls from first to eighth grade um i'm wondering what do you what do you look back on in terms of your own upbringing what what was it that had you become so accomplished i'm assuming so driven maybe maybe even ambitious but you've you know you're perhaps the first guest we've had where i to go through two Google pages before I got to the stuff about coaching. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're out there leading uh, in the community, leading in the medical field, and doing extraordinary work, including videos. People can find videos of you talking about, you know, things I can't pronounce in the brain surgery world. Um, what, What do you think is the core of your drive and ambition?
3: I've had great mentors. I've had... My parents are amazing people. My father was a driven... Uh, man, He just passed away recently, and he was a tremendous influence on my life. He was a student his whole life. After finishing a 40-year uh, career in law, he went back to school and got a Ph.D. at the age of 78 wow. and wrote two books. Uh, my mom is an amazing person. She reads three newspapers a day. Uh, she's still very active. I had amazing parents. I had an amazing youth wrestling coach, uh, a gentleman by the name of John Ceruto who really taught me that um, determination is, is probably the most important factor in anybody's success, um, and he taught me those values at a young age. And that's really what what inspired me to go back into coaching. I had young uh, kids that were interested in wrestling, but I just loved passing on those lessons that Coach Deruto taught to me. And you know, I started it in Princeton. We, we've been doing it in Princeton for about 15 years, and, about a couple of years ago, I realized, gosh, we can, you know, what if the kids in Trenton had mentors like I had? What if they had exposure to the, the kinds of, of people that I had? Wouldn't that be a great thing? And, and I just love it. I want to I want to share it with, with all of those kids. And we've got a great group of people in Trenton who are, who are helping, including the Bethea family, who I had the privilege of coaching some of those boys. And uh, their father, Alex, and I are are Heading up the, the youth program with some other dedicated individuals.
1: It's extraordinary. Thanks for all the great work that you do in and out of the uh, wrestling world and in and out of the uh, in and out of the, the uh, neurosurgery world as an operating room. What's um, when you look at your life? Are you a, are you a family man? Do you have kids?
3: I've been married uh, 25 years to a wonderful woman, wow. Julie, and I have four children. Um, who were uh who were out of college and two and are still in school.
1: Congratulations on that success. I'm starting to get Thank you. I'm starting to get overwhelmed with all this success. What um what do you <laughs> not get
0: an inferiority complex it's too late. Uh,
1: what are you what are you looking forward to? As you here you've made a, a huge name for yourself, a huge making a huge difference in the community. What are you looking forward to personally or professionally?
3: Well I'm really excited about this book that I'm working on and um You know, it's it's a book about um, something called cognitive dominance, and you know that sounds a a little Darth Vader esque when you first hear the words cognitive dominance. But I I did want to wear black. Okay, it's it's not that at all. It's really just about being as effective as you possibly can in challenging situations, and it's a it's a term I picked up uh, at at West Point. I've had the privilege to. lecture be a guest lecturer in dr Zinzer's class the psychology for elite performance and um and i came across this word that the, the military uses and what it means is it's enhanced situational awareness in order to facilitate rapid and accurate decision making under stressful conditions with limited decision making time and when i first heard that word in the definition i said oh my gosh That's neurosurgery, Mm -hmm. but it's also parenting, and it's also business, and it's also life. So it's really something that I think um, I don't claim to um, master it. I claim to be a student of it, that I continually am learning how can I get better at this cognitive dominance thing, and what has neurosurgery and coaching wrestling taught me about cognitive dominance. And so what I've compiled is a series of stories and vignettes uh, of my neurosurgical training and in my coaching, and I've sort of combined those two into the rules of neurosurgery to to share my reflections on cognitive dominance with the hope that the reader will will see their own uh, path to a more effective self. That's sort of the gist of the book.
1: It's amazing, uh, and I just love cognitive dominance. I'm gonna, I'm envisioning the clubs that will form, you know, secretly in the middle of the night. Laura? You can coin a
0: new phrase, cognitive dominance, and uh, you know, can we package it? Can we
3: sell it? Right. That's, the book will be the start, I'm sure, right?
1: Indeed. What? Uh, just
3: excited to, to to share it. You know, it's it's a really interesting thing. I'm. I'm uh, Uh, In my early 50s, and I'm at a point where I want to share what I've learned, and by sharing it, I actually gain a better understanding of it. Mm -hmm. I actually get more out of coaching, I think, than the kids get from me because they inspire me and they help me reflect on what's important in my life and, and how can I make it better.
1: You've had your own kids, you've seen other kids, you're supporting kids. If you had one thing, when you when you can boil it down to like the most important thing that you could give parents or take away from parents in terms of raising kids, what would it be?
3: I'm, I'm still learning this today, Chris, but I think that parenting is a sales job. And the stronger your sales skills are, the more effective parent you're going to be. And I'm still learning this kind of sales technique. Kids don't take suggestions. They, they will only uh, follow something that you are, are, are purporting to them if they know that that's really in it for them. Uh And, and that's, you know, so surgery sales too. When I see somebody in the office, I need to, they need to uh, feel uh, a trusting connection. They need to feel that I'm doing what's in their best interest. And if they feel that way, then they're willing to, you know, sign on the consent form and go ahead with surgery and, tr- and trust their life with me. And it's sort of the same thing with, with parenting. The first step, I think, is to to get your kid to understand that you, you want the very best for them and you're willing to do whatever that is for them. And, and you would never, ever do something Uh, or suggest something for them that's not in their best interest. And so you've got to find a way to make them, in their own perspective, realize that this is in their best interest. And it's it's a skill set. It needs work. It's not something that you're born with. And uh, it needs to be practiced and role-played with your spouse so that you can get good at it. Before you have a conversation with your kid, that's really important about them making an important decision.
1: I'm going to put on a plaid jacket, a wide tie, and go ask my kids, uh, "What would it take to you <laughs> to, to get you into some good behavior today?"
0: Exactly, <laughs> that, <that's laughs> Gary. So, do we have time for more questions? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so Dr. McLaughlin, let me ask you this: um, connecting. Oh, well, I did have one. Wait a minute,
3: where did it go? Are
1: oh, you drunk during so the day again? Because we I'm talked.
3: Not, well, first of all, please talking. call me Mark, Laura. <laughs>
0: Okay, more. Mark. everyone calls me Dr. Laura, even though I'm not a doctor. Oh, but Mark. Stop, yeah. um, so earlier <laughs> in the show, we had Lisa, who's a, you know, a book coach and a, someone who helps people with with books. So since you're on your way to writing a book, why don't we tie this all together for everybody? Our listeners, a lot of them are coaches who might want to write a book. What's your process so far? Are you mm. um, having someone coach you along? Are you doing it on your own? Do you write every day? Tell us a little bit about your writing process
3: i uh I have an amazing a agent he is uh, a, a a a great advisor for me and um, many times he can take one or two sentences in a vignette that i'll have and make it turn in a way that's very very um effective so I rely on on that person um, i I would love to write every day my day job kind of gets in the way sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, but I do yeah. find that my, my best times are 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning uh, when I'm alone and thinking. Mm-hmm. And if I can get myself to that, to that spot on the computer, I can usually do some good work. So the routine that I usually have is I get up at 5. And that first hour is my personal time. I try to meditate. Um, I try to look at my planner. I still have a written planner. I use a Fra- Franklin planner system. I know it sounds archaic, but it's the only way I can follow my notes and my tasks.
0: I'm still a paper person. You stay with it. It's cool.
3: <laughs> and, and I tackle my file system, which is, you know, a daily file system that has tasks in it. And then once I've done that, then I try to hit the writing. Um, but there are some some weeks that are more inspiring to me. When my father passed away, I just recently had a, You know, had the, the feeling of I have to write. I have to write about this. And on those days, I literally will wake up or three or four o'clock in the morning because a thought will come to me and I will um I will have to start writing so um it's part inspiration but mostly it's perspiration and it's getting in front of the desk and doing it um Absolutely. I'm a big believer in coaches I have a lot, I have coaches for everything that I do because I don't know everything about writing I don't know everything about business so I have to reach out to people and get other perspectives that's part of never cutting what you can't see
1: Beautiful, beautiful. I like how you tied that in. What um, I, I love that your advice was sort of for parents and kids. I love hearing your uh, process. By the way, Laura, I don't know about your process, but have you heard Paulo Coelho, the author of The Alchemist? Somebody asked him yes. what his process was for writing, and he said, first I get up, I get ready, and then I procrastinate for two to three hours, and then I write. <laughs> it sounds it sounds mark like you don 't have Dr Mark like you don 't have uh two or three hours to waste in a day, so you just got to get to it um let 's talk about the let 's talk about the work that you do with wrestlers and in sports. How is this helpful what's a what 's a lesson from that world that if you could you 'd share with you know thirty or fifty thousand coaches
3: today sure so um one of the most inspiring days I had in coaching was I was coaching a, a young boy by the name of Devin, and um, Devin was getting his butt kicked in a wrestling match. And I can tell you, you know, as a, as a coach to see your kid who is doing what, you know, trying whatever he can, but mm. just wrestling somebody who is physically stronger, you quicker. You want to get, quicker, get out there and wrestle him yourself, yeah. Got it. Exactly. And, and also, you know, you, you, as a parent, to see your kid, you know, wrestling is a physical and emotional sport. And uh, to see your kid, you know, really taking his lumps against a superior wrestler is a hard thing. And poor Devin was not having a good day. And after this, the end of the second period, he was, he was, tears were coming down his cheeks. He had just gotten out of the, out of bounds just before he was about to get pinned. And we were going into the third period. And I, I saw him and I, I had been there. I knew, I knew exactly what he was experiencing. I said, I've got to change this. I've got to do something about this. And, and this is, you know, he wasn't having the greatest season. This could be the match that he just says, you know what? I've had enough of this sport. This is too much. This is too much of a grind. So I, I got, him, got him over to the side and said, listen, we're going to take an injury timeout. Um, so I took to the ref and we got a little injury timeout. I get a 30-second timeout. I looked him in the eye and I said, listen, Devin, I've got to tell you something. You're not going to win this match, Okay. which is not something that the kid expected his coach to tell him. I said, you're not going to win this match, okay? But I'll tell you what you can do. You can score one point on this guy. You can get one point. I know you can. You're going to be on bottom in this third period. And all I want you to do is hit every single move you know. Hit it as hard as you can. You have one minute. You can score one point. I believe you can do it. Can you do it? I'll try, Coach. No, 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 Devin. Don't tell me you can try. Look in the eye and say, I'll do it. And after about 15 seconds, he looked in the eye and said, I'll do it. He went back out there, and he hit every single move. When the whistle blew, he hit every single move. He hit a stand-up. He hit a switch. Beautiful. He hit a sit-out. He hit a stand-up. He hit a switch. He hit a sit-out. And 57 seconds went by, and every single time he hit that move, this kid took him down to the mat. 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 Well, yeah. at 57 seconds, the kid on top, who was clearly a superior wrestler, locked his hands instantaneously to try and hold Devin down for one second, and the ref stops the match because that's a penalty point for Devin. Nice. Okay? So they uh. stopped the match. <laughs> I looked at Devin. His parents were in the stands, and I go, You know what you just did? You just score one point. And there's three seconds left.
1: And there are about three seconds left for us. So I want to thank you very much. What an (laughs) excellent point to end on. uh, Make the
3: best out of what you can. Even in a terrible situation, make the best
1: out. That's that's, what he did. That's it. And that's Dr. Mark McLaughlin. You can find him on the web all over the place, but not the least of which is markmclaughlinmd.com. That's Laura Berman-Fortgang. Go to laurabermanfortgang.com and immediately go to nowwhatcoaching.com and sign up for her October program for the Now What Train the Trainer. That's another edition of The Coaching Show. I thank you and all of our guests for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Join culinary masters and legendary winemakers for one of the largest Epicurean celebrations, the 14th Annual San Diego Bay Wine and Food Festival. From November 12th through the 19th, this week-long extravaganza features celebrity and local chefs, 200 amazing wineries, 70 of San Diego's best restaurants, and it's a week of citywide events. Go to VinVillage.com to save big on select tickets. For event and hotel packages, visit SanDiegoWineClassic.com. That's SanDiegoWineClassic.com. For more information, visit us online at ScaleYourBusinessToolkit.com.
3: Cybersecurity is the fastest-growing job sector. The San Diego Mayor's Cyber Cup encourages kids to consider computer security as an interesting course of study and a valuable career path. Securing our eCity helps lead this youth competition to create interest and awareness among students and their schools. The San Diego Mayor's Cyber Cup. Learn more at securingourecity.org or call 619 630 2444.
2: Do you love wine, but it doesn't love you back in the morning? Then it's time to try Alcotox, the ultimate hangover cure. Alcotox is a dietary supplement that reduces the harmful side effects of alcohol, and it benefits all alcohol consumers, not just those who occasionally overindulge. So now, for less than the cost of a drink, you can wake up hangover-free. To learn more, go to vinvillage.com and let Alcotox make hangovers a thing of the past.